1: Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can
2: survive. Away, this place is no place for
1: civilized man. My
2: my life. Take it in the guts, Barry. Away from my-
0: got to do now as part of the Australian culture test. Okay. Three simple questions, three correct answers, it, and together. you go through that doorway to the greatest winner of Captain America. The dress is held yards of
2: Amy Chase. This has big sleeves. And good morning. This is Annie for uh, Showreel, our uh, look at uh, Australian film uh, in. And today we're going to be uh, looking at. I've got two things for you today. Uh, and uh, the first one is an interview I did with Tilda Cobham Hervey, who is, uh, as the Variety magazine, that uh, film uh, d- magazine of uh, great repute, it says, it is a one to watch and is included in Vogue, Australia's Best Emerging Talent. You might remember uh, Tilda as the uh, main young actress in 52 Tuesdays, uh, which was an extraordinary film from uh, last year. And uh, she's in this film called One-Eyed Girl, which is... Uh, being released uh, April the 30th at Classic Cinemas in Melbourne and uh, that's Classic Cinemas in Alstonwick and uh, Cameo uh, Cinemas in Belgrave. They're also going to have a, uh, that's April the 30th, but they're also going to uh, have uh, some screenings on April the 23rd and 24th at the Classic and Cameo April 23rd. Classic and twenty fourth at Cameo, with uh, Q and A's with uh, some of the uh, cast and uh, crew. Uh, One eyed girl is the debut feature film from writer director Nick Matthews, and it recently won the uh, best, uh, the winner of the Austin Film Festival Dark Matters Best Picture Jury Award. So it's uh, one to watch. Uh, So we'll just have a little chat with uh, Tilda and see how she's getting on. Uh, The other thing that we're going to talk uh, to cover in today's program, Showreel on 3CR, is a little chat with Paul Harris from the St Kilda Film Festival, which is coming up in May. So first off, we'll have a little word with Tilda from One-Eyed Girl. I'm talking to you now because uh, they're just about to release the One-Eyed Girl what attracted you to that script? Because I know that when you did uh, Fifty Two Tuesdays, that was your very first. Uh, it was yeah. Now, this is a completely different kind of uh, involvement in the filmmaking. Very less different. demanding.
1: Yes, very different. It was the first script I'd ever read. Um, it was actually happened. It shot just after Fifty Two, so. I was doing year 12 during 52 Tuesdays and then I finished my last exam and drove to the first day of shooting when i go. And I'd, I'd sort of read, I'd read it during school and there was a whole lot of craziness that went on before we actually started making it because initially I didn't think I could do it because of year 12 exams and stuff. But once I got to meet Nick and the team behind it, I mean, the way that they talk about making work, and we had so many similar ideas about you know, the world, the films we loved and stuff. And initially I think I found the content of what the script was a bit frightening to go into because I'd never had to play anything so far away from my own experience in the world. And I'd never read a script before and it's definitely out there. So it was a bit of a challenge to get my head around at the beginning. But I think once I'd met them and talked to them and got to know their process and their world, it just seemed so right to work with them. And like, I'm so glad I did. We had so much fun I learned. So much during that project. So, I, yeah, I guess it's sort of an amazing how often do you get to play a character that's that interesting and such an unusual storyline. So, it was very lucky. Yeah it
2: was, quite, yeah, it was quite interesting uh, watching it from a watcher's point of view because uh, it uh, takes a quite uh, reasonably ex- uh, predictable arc but not well put together, but then it becomes quite tense. Uh, Halfway through, it becomes quite decidedly tense, doesn't it?
1: Yes, very much so. Very much so. And they were very crazy scenes to film. Um, But I, I think it's really great that those sort of communities are talked about and discussed. I think it really challenged my perception on what people label as a cult or, you know, it makes you understand how people fall into those situations, I think, which is, really intriguing to explore.
2: So, as you said, uh, you learnt a lot from your acting, well, you've only had a very small level yes. of acting experience. <laughs>
1: just the beginning.
2: But but you appear to have only uh, tasted the cream, it would seem to me.
1: Oh, that's lovely to hear. I have been very lucky, I agree. I think what I feel most lucky about is that they've both been really unusual characters and characters that aren't often represented on the screen, which I think is always important. And... The teams of people behind the projects are just all so lovely and incredible at their jobs. I mean, they're some of my closest friends now, and I think that everyone was so passionate about each of those stories, but that doesn't always happen in the world of film. And I think that's been a very special thing that has helped those films really do well because everyone gave it everything.
2: Now, since this was uh, the second project that you were involved in, you've been very busy because there's two other films that are st- in post-production at the moment. So one of them must be the one in Tasmania. What's that one?
1: Yeah, it was a TV, a miniseries, actually, um, called The Kettering Incident, um, which was great fun. It was great to work on. It was a bit like doing 52 again. It's so nice to have more time. It was shot over four months is very different to the six weeks of normal feature film so that was nice to do again when you get to sort of be in a character for a longer period of time and it was the first thing I'd done outside of Adelaide so that was really nice as well to be away, you sort of feel like you can be a bit different I think when you're living away.
2: Oh, so and that's, then, that's interesting because One Eyed Girl, a lot of that was shot in Melbourne, wasn't it?
1: No, it was mostly in Adelaide, there's a teeny bit, the train the exterior of the train stations aren't shot in Adelaide, but everything else is.
2: Ah, oh, which is really impressive. The uh, filmmaking, the actual shooting of that film, is very impressive. In fact, I noticed yes. that the uh, cinematographer has won a uh, silver uh, award for cinematography for uh, from her compatriots.
1: Yes. I saw that recently as well. It was so good. It was
2: amazing. Yeah, Yeah, very interesting. The Kettering Incident is based on a real story, isn't it?
1: No, it's not. Um, But there is a place called Kettering in Tasmania.
2: Oh, right. Okay. So it's a drama?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. And so you say uh, you then learnt how to uh, get inside a character for a longer period of time.
1: Yeah, I think it was nice to have that. Freedom. Again. I mean, 52 is shit over a year, and then doing one I'd go next, it was only six weeks or something, was sort of, you know, you have to let go of it all so quickly, which is always, feels sad. So it was nice to do something that you had a bit more time to play with.
2: How do you find that? Uh, because do they become like uh, ghosts, or do they become like friends, the people that you um, become?
1: I think I find it more about the people that you work with that are harder to let go of and the world that you get to live within. It's sort of like living in a fantasy world and then you have to go back and do the real stuff. But (laughs) I don't know if it's so much the characters that I miss. I think that you learn a lot from playing out other people's experiences for sure.
2: Has it been a challenge working with different kind of directors?
1: No, I think that's a great joy. I think what's been so interesting is seeing how different people's processes are and I think that's great, I think it really challenges particularly in film, I think more than theatre, there can be such different approaches to the way that people want to make things or explore things and I think that's really great to be able to be taken out of, you can't just do the same thing every time I think every time you sort of get challenged to learn it and explore it in a different
2: way Now the other thing of course, when you do make films unlike uh, the experience of the viewer who often believes in fact I was talking to someone who came from Somalia and he was saying that uh, when uh, people first, from his community first came here and saw a whole lot of TV and stuff they thought it just was real real life they didn't yeah, realize wow. that it was cut together yeah isn't that extraordinary I thought by that incredible. fascinating yeah it is and uh, so uh, he laughed, he laughed because he's been, he was doing radio training and he realised that even with radio training, of course, it means that everything's contrived. Yeah. <laughs> do you find uh, when you're becoming a character and uh, it's done in that sort of uh, jigsaw sort of way that there's a challenge that you can meet? Do
1: you mean when it's shot out of order?
2: Yeah, I do.
1: Um, what happens yeah, in it- your head? I think you just have to only live within. I think no matter even if you're shooting it in order, I think you can only ever live within what that moment is um, that you're being given. But sometimes it can be hard if you have in one day you have to shoot a scene from the beginning and from the end, so you sort of have to swap between what that feels like. That's a tricky thing. Yeah. So,
2: so what you're saying is that you really, uh, it's absolutely important for an actor to uh, understand the moment. That uh,
1: for me I yeah. don't know for me, I think that it, it's always different, and I think on any given day you know it'll feel different and who knows what would happen within that thing but I think the only the amazing thing about filmmaking and about film is that it's sort of that moment where you get to see as an audience I mean what I love as an audience going and seeing film is it's the sort of closest you can get to seeing someone else's experience that doesn't always feel watched or performed that sort of you sort of get to act, I guess, a bit like a stalker as the audience of a film. And I think that in performing in film, it just needs to feel natural and real and try and believe in that conversation that you're having with that person at that time. Mm, So
2: so that it doesn't feel, uh, doesn't seem to be... It doesn't
1: feel like you're working off a script or feel like it's running in order or having to think about any of that stuff. I think that's where it can get tricky.
2: Yeah, we have presence, basically. thinking bigger
1: than all of that, I think rather than just what you're doing at that second. I think that gets harder.
2: And what was the um, the third thing that you've just been working on that's in post-production?
1: Uh, that was a very fun project. That's called Girls Sleep. And in that, I was playing a Finnish warrior in a oh, dream world. Wow. So it was very far from anything I'd done before.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Did you get <laughs> to wear great. groovy armour and all that sort of stuff?
1: Oh, I had an amazing... The design of that film is extraordinary. And the great thing was as well, like, it was Windmill Theatre Company, um, which is a great kids' theatre company in Adelaide. Um, It was a film of a play that they did. So I had already seen the play and loved it. And that was a really nice way of seeing how that transitioned from being a stage play to a film.
2: So uh, what's that called?
1: That's called Girl Asleep.
2: Girl Asleep. And we will get to see it on our, our cinema screens or...
1: Yes, I'm not sure when it releases. I think it actually releases in the Adelaide Film Festival, which is in October.
2: Oh, cool. And it's uh, targeting children, is that correct?
1: Yeah, sort of young adults, I would say. I haven't seen it yet, but...
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. What a a broad range of interesting things that uh, you've been uh, set to uh, do. I mean, it could only get better for uh, a young person to have such interesting things to uh, keep you busy.
1: Yes, no, I'm very. I feel very lucky about having to being able to play such out there characters from the beginning, and that's so important to me. I think is finding those unusual stories. I'm much more compelled to hearing those and seeing those, and maybe the sometimes classic Hollywood stories that keep getting repeated. I like seeing the new, more unusual, often more relatable for me, I guess.
2: Since uh, the last time we spoke, when you uh, were doing promotions for uh, 53 Tuesdays, it appears that um, you have uh, been uh, lauded uh, over in uh, America and uh, have (laughs) been signed up to Creative Artists Agency.
1: That's true, yes. They're very gorgeous. It's been lots of fun. So I've just been over there for a month. I have just got back.
2: Oh, okay. uh, Like
1: a week or two ago. Um, just to hang out with them and get to know them a bit better. So much more happening over there. So it was very exciting to go and explore that part of the world.
2: Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, you when you were over in America and you were meeting these, you know, you know, relatively high flyers, we'd have to say. These yeah. people are really big time. Uh, you got to read scripts. Uh, what kind of scripts were you being given?
1: Oh, so many different, I mean, every genre. I read hundreds. And that's what I love, is why I love reading and being able to read a whole lot of, it's sort of like reading lots of short stories and just being able to see what people are thinking about in the world was so great. It's a very different form of writing than what I've sort of read in the past. So it was great to sort of explore a whole lot of different stories. And I think quite quickly you start to realise the things that you connect with more than others. And yeah, it was great to just be thrown into that part of the world.
2: So are you going to be picky about what you take up?
1: Oh, and I think it's definitely important, the, the roles that I would take or the films that I'd work on, for sure. But um, there's a lot of interesting things out there and so much of it isn't in your hands anyway. So, <laughs> as picky as you can be.
2: Oh, really? So, uh, you're, uh, you'll be, um, you've got an agent obviously, and uh, you're being handled in a sense. Do you, yeah. uh, if you were to go and shoot stuff in America, does that mean that you will be doing um, American accents and uh, doing yes, co- just voice been coaching? I've lots
1: of American accents when I was over there. That's mm. always unusual to try yeah. and do, but <laughs> a great challenge.
2: How how are you finding that sort of thing?
1: Um. I think it was quite scary initially. I mean, I'd been sending off self-tapes to America for a while while I was still here. Um, Where you have to, you know, you film yourself in your bedroom with your mum or whatever, (laughs) saying it during a scene, and then you send it over and you have to do an accent for that. Um, It was quite hard going into a room with Americans and doing an American accent because you're like, oh, I'm a fraud, they'll all know. But I think we've all grown up with so much American TV and film and songs and, like, I think Australians are generally pretty used to the American accent and so much of it for me is just not being scared or nervous about speaking another accent. But yes, I still have a lot of work to do (laughs) on
2: it. These are are parts of uh, your professional skills as an actor. So you see yourself as continuing in this vein, obviously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope to do lots of things I still love visual art and making my own sort of theatre stuff and, you know, all of the rest. But absolutely, I mean, it's an amazing form of storytelling and it's a very fun world to be in. There's amazing creative people within it. So for as long as I can, I would love to keep exploring it.
2: Now, that was a little chat that I had with Tilda Coburn, Hervé, who was uh, in 52 Tuesdays, and uh, you can see her performing in a film called One-Eyed Girl, which is going to be shown at the Classic tonight, that's in Elsternwick, uh, and at the cameo in uh, Belgrave on the 24th. It's going to get a, a limited release uh, April the 30th, it's about uh, a doomsday cult, and uh, it's uh, Quite a fascinating film. It recently uh, won the um, Austin Film Festival Dark Matters Best Picture Jury Prize. Uh, it's um, at the special screenings uh, April the 23rd and 24th in Melbourne. Later it's going to be in Adelaide and also in Sydney. Uh, the, there's going to be a Q&A with uh, people who are part of the making of A One-Eyed Girl. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel.
0: Tune in to
2: On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a programme on film, on filmmakers, and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. Mm-hmm. And yes, you are. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and uh, we're going to go on with a little chat I had with Paul Harris from the St. Kilda Film Festival. Now the St. Kilda Film Festival obviously happens uh, every year at uh, around May this year, the 21st of May, Thursday to Saturday the 30th of May and uh, they've made a, a, a... a wonderful uh, international uh, collaboration between the Palm Springs International Short Film Fest and uh, as a result it means that there's going to be special screenings from that Palm Springs International Short Fest as part of the St Kilda Film Festival this year and so I uh, caught up with Paul Harris to find out more about it. Okay, so uh, the St Kilda Film Festival has announced that it's uh, collaborating with uh, Palm Spring International Short Fest. Can you tell us a little bit about this collaboration?
0: Well, uh, we've uh, established a a kind of relationship with Palm Spring from uh, last year's festival when the the, uh, festival's director, Daryl McDonald, came out as a special guest and he was quite impressed with what we were doing. And uh, we've uh, followed on from that to... uh, 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 put on programs from the festival. Um, you know, it's one of the biggest short film festivals in the world. They show 300 films from 40 countries each year. And um, we're putting together uh, a specially curated program of films from the most recent Palm Springs Festival.
2: So, are they uh, putting together the, are they curating it or uh, are you, have you guys got a hand in the actual things that are going to be shown?
0: No, no, they they, they they put the films together.
2: Yeah, okay, and uh, it's on a theme. That, I mean, there's uh, one, two, three, four, four different themes. Animation, yes, J- yes. Jewish showcase, thriller showcase, and LGBT showcase. Correct. Yeah, and so how long are each of the programs?
0: Each of the programs, they're, they're, they're roughly about 70, 75 minutes. And they're all, the, the ones that I've seen so far are very impressive. Uh, you know, you really... Uh, you know, there's a great thing about a short film festival that uh, it's basically a showcase for the best work or the most innovative and creative work that's being done out there. And, uh, uh, you know, Palm Springs is kind of like the Rolls Royce.
2: So you must be feeling pretty uh, chuffed because that's one of the things about St Kilda Film Festival in its long life it, and in its early beginnings. It was all about increasing the... Uh, uh, awareness. Awareness, yeah, of yeah, film.
0: Yeah, yeah, Well, we 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 chuffed and honoured uh, because the, the festival uh, carries a lot of um, uh, credibility. Uh, here's the unfortunate thing: the, the Palm Springs uh, uh, Festival is on immediately after ours, like you know, like a week later. And this year, we haven't been able to, uh, you know, get someone to come out from the festival. But what we've got instead is we've got the. Um, the programmer, the short film programmer from Sundance, coming out.
2: Yeah, this and, is pretty um, impressive, isn't it? Delika yeah, Birearier.
0: She's uh, the the programmer for Sundance. And the first year I did the film festival, uh, back in uh, nineteen ninety nine, last century, uh, we we had uh, Trevor Groff, who was the um, short film programmer for for Sundance and when he came out he was swamped by filmmakers and uh, he he also had the opportunity to to, to see the films that were on and then he took some films with him back to America and they played in Sundance the following year and uh, while he was out here Uh, he made himself available to filmmakers any time they could go up and approach him and, you know, give them advice and so on. And I think this is what's so important about the festival, that it's more than just filing in and out of sessions. Um, It's about uh, interacting with the local uh, film community and giving uh, local filmmakers the opportunity to, uh, you know, be able to... um, Uh, speak with, you know, specialists and also if you're making a film in Melbourne and you're hoping, gee, I hope I could crack it to get into, um, uh, uh, you know, Palm Springs or some big overseas festival, it's always an advantage if you can actually speak to the programmer and they can actually tell you, well, here's what we're looking for, Um, here's how to go about it. because, you know, filmmakers work in isolation. They, they, they make their films, and then after they finish them, then they have to worry about distribution and, you know, entering festivals. And, um, you know, th- th- there's an art form to that, almost as much as there is in actually uh, making the film in the first place.
2: Certainly is. Uh, are you going to make uh, special arrangements for people to have uh, entrees to this person? Or... Is this oh, she's going the... to be around. Yeah.
0: she's going to be taking place in in, in in panels, but she's going to make herself available uh, during the course of the festival to you know speak uh, uh, individually um, to uh, filmmakers. Going to be very uh, approachable.
2: Now, does that mean that uh, because you have made a connection with Palm Springs International Short Fest, that there is some uh, greater access for Australian films to? make their way to Palm Springs through this sort of collaboration? Oh, most, definitely.
0: most definitely. And I, I should also point out that over the years, Palm Springs has been very uh, kind to Australian films and uh, uh, they've always uh, regarded Australian films as being uh, very important and uh, in, in most years there has been quite a... Uh, A good selection of Australian films, so that relationship is there and has been there for a long time, and we're discussing even the possibility of setting up a a, a possible relationship as a sister festival.
2: And what would that entail? What does that mean? I I don't know. Yeah, you don't know yet.
0: Uh, 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 You know, I think it's a gesture, a a symbolic thing that uh, you know, like. um, uh, you know, it's just a, a, an implicit understanding that we have mutual interests and uh, we would help each other out and swap programs and, um, you know, uh, share intelligence on uh, promising filmmakers. That kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now it's interesting because uh, uh, having looked at, uh, you know, all these different people are making films out there uh, and, as you said, uh, that, you know, they're, they work, over years, in sort of isolation, in a funny kind of a way, and then they have to network. Now, um, obviously, because you've decided to, you know, expand in a way, and this is a new aspect to uh, the St Kilda Film Festival, it must also uh, reflect the uh, increasing um, sophistication of festival organisers as well. Would you say? Yes, I'd agree
0: with that, and I think. That- so the filmmakers need to be a bit more canny and I think they've realised that and that when you enter a film in a festival it actually is beneficial if you can attend the festival and, and <laughs> represent the work
2: well, yes. and
0: uh, you know, take part in discussions with like-minded people it's not going to hurt you
2: Yeah, they won't um, self emulate No <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: Tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to out of this festival I know, of course, this new program which sounds really Uh, absolutely fantastic the animation the uh, jewish showcase the thriller showcase and the lgbt showcase they're quite specific but what what about the general program of shorts that you've got on offer this
0: year well i think it's uh, the usual strong selection of a hundred uh films but the big difference for us this year is the the venue which is going to be at the uh, the town hall and i think going to have to be a bit of an education process take place there because when this was first considered because due to the Astor closing down we needed to find a new venue and it had to be in the city of port phillip uh when the town hall was first suggested i was slightly skeptical because i thought well most people think of the town hall as a place where you go to pay your rates um or parking fines but um there, there is a beautiful big room there and we're actually um uh transforming it into a state-of-the-art cinema environment. We managed to find 300 seats from a, an old 1930s theatre um, that uh, were for sale, and so we bought those, and we're putting them onto a big raked seating bank so that uh, when you sit down, it'll be like you're in a cinema. won't just be, you know, plastic bucket chairs, on the ground. It'll be, you know, very raked seating. We're putting in a proper state-of-the-art Dolby sound and a huge screen, and uh, uh, it- it'll be very exciting, I think, and also having it in Carlisle Street, uh, Balaclava, that in itself will make it exciting because it's close to all the various cafes and uh, restaurants and bars and uh, uh, we have to have lots of functions and also it's somewhere where filmmakers can get together and, and talk. And a lot of the filmmakers who come to the festival are not just from Melbourne, but from around the country. So uh, people do meet at these festivals and then form alliances.
2: Yeah, that's right. And uh, of course, it all starts on uh, Wednesday the 29th with uh, Brian Nancurvis and the Film Buffs trivia night at the same location.
0: Yes, well, the 29th of April is the uh, uh, the, uh, Festival Trivia Night launch at the Town Hall at 7 o'clock. That's uh, our traditional launch, and uh, this year we've got over 30 tables of 10, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's the longest-running and biggest trivia night in Melbourne devoted to film. Once that happens, we know we're we're serious because uh, we're running down to the wire then because the, the, the opening's only three weeks away after that, so... You know, it's, it's no longer theoretical. Then
2: you know that uh, you're, re- you're on the home stretch.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. Thanks for talking to us today, Paul. And it sounds like uh, St Kilda Festival Film Festival has got lots of life in it yet.
0: Indeed it has. And if listeners want to find any further information, just go to the St Kilda Film Festival website.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.